Well, thank you for being here this morning. We continue uh, in our worship as we open God's uh, word together. And I invite you to turn, please, uh, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We are in the middle of a prayer focus uh, for these uh, 40 days where we are seeking God and His will and direction for our church as well as uh, the Christian and Missionary Alliance as a whole. And to help us during these uh, 40 days of focused prayer, we are uh, looking at and studying together the Lord's Prayer that He taught His disciples and us to pray. Uh, that's recorded in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 uh, through 13. Now, I mentioned this last time that uh, we as believing people can certainly pray these exact words uh, as a prayer to the Lord. Uh, we, we do that, though, I trust uh, that it comes from our heart, that it's not merely a prayer that we have memorized or uh, can recite without looking at the words, uh, but uh, that it truly reflects the desires of our heart, and certainly we can pray that uh, to the Lord uh, as a legitimate prayer. Jesus also gave this prayer uh, in addition to it being a, an actual prayer uh, that we can speak as a model. And what I mean by that is that uh, he giving us this prayer is teaching us what our prayers ought to contain, uh, how our prayers should look as we offer them to God. Uh, remember, we talked about this in one of our first uh, considerations of this passage that prayer is our communication with God. It is, it is our fellowship with Him. It is our interaction with Him. And a broad outline of this, this prayer, looking at it as a model, verses 9 and 10, we have a Godward focus. Uh, and that focus is relating to, to God as our Heavenly Father. And we only know Him in that particular way through faith in Jesus Christ. And also in that Godward focus, we pray asking for His kingdom to come and His will to be done. And that reflects the believer's heart and desire that all things be given and surrendered to Him and that uh, all that He has planned be perfectly uh, and ultimately fulfilled. But then as you come to this second section in verses 11 through 13, you have, uh, for lack of a better term, a manward focus. Uh, a focus on ourselves and on, on the particular things that we face. And in this second section, we have requests that are presented to God. And in those, in those requests, we are asking God for His help, His assistance, His aid in the various areas of our lives where, where we have need. Um, the first of these... Uh, uh, request that Jesus mentions here in verse 11 is give us today our daily bread. And this uh, petition in this request and even in this phrase, we, we are praying, looking to God for his aid and for his assistance uh, with our uh, temporal uh, and material uh, needs. I would suggest to you right off that in bringing this request to the Lord, we are speaking about the basic necessities that you and I have that are indispensable 
for us for our daily life uh, and our daily living. But before we actually get into the, uh, the specifics of that uh, petition, maybe we should ask ourselves the question and try to answer it biblically is, can we expect God to hear and answer us about our basic needs? I think that that's a legitimate question to ask. Well, uh, consider with me uh, what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 when he wrote to these Philippians and really to us, being part of God's word to us. Uh, verse 19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And that's a declaration that Paul made for believing people, that God will indeed meet your needs. Um, we're going to return to that uh, passage a little bit later, uh, so um, just keep your uh, bookmark there uh, for future reference. But you know, it's interesting that in this same, what we call Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about uh, our temporal needs, our, our material needs, the things that we need on a, on a regular and ongoing basis. Uh, you'll notice that in chapter 6, uh, at verse uh, 24, and I think that this is part of the context of understanding what, he, what follows, he says, no one can serve two masters. He will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or God and things. It's not, it's not both, it's either or. And, and I think that sometimes when we get so caught up in the material things that, that, that are part of our life, all of our lives, especially in the country and in the culture in which we live, where you can't live without the newest iPhone or the, the latest update on the computer or, or whatever it might be. Jesus says here, verse 25, when, when we get distracted by all those things, they can become worrisome. They can become a burden. They can cause us anxiety and angst. And that's why he says in verse 25, therefore, see, it's connected with what he said pre previously. I tell you, don't worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Well, Lord, aren't these things important? Don't I need food to survive? Don't I need clothing to, to clothe my body and keep me warm? I mean, we're, we're not supposed to think about that at all. No, where that becomes just your obsession and, and, and distracts you from seeking God. Notice what he says here. Is not your life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And then he gives these illustrations. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And he's arguing from the, the lesser to the, to the greater. I mean, I don't know if you feed birds. Uh, some people like to do that and watch the birds come and flock. But, you know, every time I put bird seed out, it's, it's just a matter of maybe a few moments where the birds will start coming. And they'll help themselves. And even the squirrel will show up you know, and help himself. And, 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 and they'll eat all that, you know. And uh, Jesus says, you know, you're more important than birds. Not that birds aren't important, but you're more important than them. And um, your heavenly Father takes care of them. And so, which of you, verse by 27, by worrying can add a single hour to your life? 
And, and why do you worry about clothes? Then he goes on to clothing. See the lilies of the field, how they grow? They don't labor or spin, and yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. You know, look at even uh, the flowers that, that bloom in the spring. We have a Christmas cactus that was a little bit off schedule this year, but it finally bloomed, you know. It just once a year it blooms, and it blooms because God has ordained that. You know, and it's for our enjoyment. And if God creates such things just for our enjoyment, that they're just things to look at, if you would, how much more so is he going to clothe you with, with your basic necessity of, of clothing? And, and some have even thought that that could even be extended out to even just shelter, the idea of sheltering you with what you need. And look at verse 30. He says, If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O little... Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you have need of them. See, he knows. Verse 30 through 32 says, God knows and, and he provides, which is saying to you and to me that he can be trusted he can, be, he can be looked to to supply these needs. Don't allow your needs to distract you from your faith and trust in God. After all, notice what he continues to say, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, don't worry about tomorrow. God has tomorrow. God's already there. And he already knows what your needs will be. And we're called upon to look to him in faith to meet those needs. Someone might... Uh, uh, um, uh, well, let's go on to another passage here. I have several here. Look at chapter 7 of this same uh, book, Matthew chapter 7, and look at verse 7. Here Jesus is actually exhorting us and commanding us to ask. You're familiar with these words, aren't you? Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And notice the illustration that Jesus uses that follows. This, is, this is, should be an encouragement to pray that when you pray and you ask God concerning a particular need, that he hears you and he will answer you. And notice what Jesus uses as an illustration. Verse 9, which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish, will give him a snake? You know, a parent, when a child asks for something, you know, a cookie, a sandwich, a drink of milk, the parent's not going to say, here, kid, here's a rock, chew on that, you know. They're, they're going to provide what that child needs because that's just a natural parental desire to provide for a child. And, and Jesus is, ar again, arguing from the lesser to the greater. God is a 
good father. He is the perfect father. Uh, and he says here, if you then, though you are evil, know how to good give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You might say, well, I've asked God for X, and he's never given that to me. Well, maybe you don't need that. Maybe it's not something good. Maybe he knew that if he did give it to you, it would be your undoing. It would be your ruin. It would be to your demise. Because he's an all-knowing, all-wise father as well. And he knows the end from the beginning. And he knows how you react if you say, Lord, I want a million dollars. What would you do with that? Oh, I would give to the church, right? Maybe, somebody said. <laughs> he knows what we, what we need. And you might say to yourself, well, wait a minute. If he already knows, because Jesus made reference to that, he knows what you have needed before you even ask him, why bother asking? Well, why should I ask if he already knows, if he cares, if he loves and he provides, why should I ask? Well, remember that prayer is communication and a relationship with God in your talking with him. It's not coming to him just with your, your request lists. And I, I, I fall into this trap and you probably do as well. Or maybe you don't and you can help me. But, you know, we tend to come to God and it's immediately, well, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. But that's not the, the sum total of prayer. Isn't it interesting how when something happens, people immediately say, well, we'll pray. Well, don't you pray all the time? You know, the football player that was injured, I, I think he's recovering. Praise the Lord for that. But, but people immediately went to prayer. And I wonder how many of those individuals, and I'm not, I'm not here being a critic but I wonder how much of those people actually, prayer is a regular part of their lives. Or is it just when there's a, a crisis that causes you to go to your knees? Now, I'm not saying that God can't use crisis to get us to seek him. But I'm just saying, Jesus is saying, we're to pray concerning our needs every day, all the time. See, because prayer is both a matter of faith, that when we come to God, he hears us and he will answer but it's also a matter of obedience. We pray because the Lord commanded us to. We're, we're told elsewhere in Scripture, pray without ceasing. Pray continually. Do you and I do that as Christ followers? And Jesus in this model prayer says, one of the things that should encompass your prayer life on an ongoing basis is this coming before God with your basic needs and saying to Him in faith, and by obedience, even though you know this already, God, I come to you and I pray, give us today our daily bread. So do you take every need you have to God in prayer? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer hymn writer put it. Well, some might object, well, why 
bother God for such little things. I mean, he's concerned about the big things, isn't he? But did you know that God's concerned about the details of your life as well? Did you know the scripture tells us, and you know this verse, even the very hairs of your head are numbered? And mine are getting less and less every year, it seems. But you know, this uh, becomes a, a matter of our uh, obedience to the Lord and a matter of faith when we pray this way. So let's look at Jesus' teaching and his words in greater, greater detail uh, to see exactly what this petition uh, can teach us about prayer. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11 says, Give us today our daily bread. Now, the first word in that phrase is give. Uh, and it's um, in the form of a request. It's not, gimme, 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 gimme. That's, that's not behind that. It, it's, it's, it's actually a request. And it's used in, in, the, in this way in the scripture. It, when, 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 that, when you say give, you're asking to supply and furnish things that are necessary. Um, it, it was used by Jesus in Matthew 24, 25 of a slave who gives his fellow slaves their food at the proper time. You know, he gave them what, what they needed. It's used by Jesus in his uh, in encounter with the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and verse 10, where Jesus says that he would give her living water. He, was, he wanted to offer her something that she truly needed. Um, and it's also used by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19, where he is actually asking that believers pray for him so that he might have the words to speak concerning Jesus Christ and the gospel and to do it boldly. That God would give me the right words. Uh, and so it, it's the idea of of coming and, and with that expectation once again of providing a need. And so Jesus says, pray these, this way, give. And notice the next word, give us. Now we can certainly ask the Lord for our own particular needs, and, and we should come to him with that. But did you notice that, that this prayer is, is, is offered in a way that is, a, is, is offered for community? Uh, among the, 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 the people of God, the people of faith, uh, though, those even outside maybe of the, of the gospel and the kingdom thus far that, that have a particular need, give us, not just for ourselves, but others, uh, what is needed. Give us t this day or today our daily bread. I think it's kind of interesting that when you stop for a moment and think about just that little word, us, that that reminds me that this petition can even be a means of intercession for others. Give us this day our daily bread. And notice, he says, give us today. Uh, this is to be an ongoing daily petition. Every day we uh, are to come and must come to the Lord uh, seeking him and we should do that to provide uh, all our needs 
It's kind of interesting that uh, back in the book of Joshua, you're familiar with this. You don't have to turn here unless you choose, but Joshua chapter 24, uh, where Joshua is bringing a charge to the people of Israel as they were in the promised land. He says at verse 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your forefathers beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He was putting before them a choice, and he says, this day you need to make a choice. Who are you going to serve? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But I wonder if that statement that Joshua made isn't a reflection of what it ought to be true in our lives every day. Every day we have a choice. Are we going to seek the Lord? in prayer and seek him first and his kingdom first or are we going to go about our own thing and our own agenda and our own ways and and maybe if we think about it we'll sort of fit the lord into our schedule and, and into our routine coming to god with uh, our needs every day keeps us dependent upon him Psalm 68 and verse 19 says, Praise be to the Lord our God, our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Isn't that interesting? God daily bears our burdens. And you know, there, there are examples of God's provision, particularly among his people and their daily needs. Notice that he says, Give us this today. I'm so familiar with give us this day. That saying today kind of throws me, so pardon my stumbling on that. Give us today our daily bread. Our daily bread. Remember the Israelites back, way back in the wilderness? And uh, they, they had a complaining problem, a grumbling problem, and you... Someone has counted that up. I don't remember how many times it just circled around that they just complained and complained and complained. You know, God gave them water from a rock uh, one time because they were thirsty in that wilderness. And, you know, that was a particular need, you know. Uh, but notice this. Uh, in Exodus chapter 16, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and they were in this desert and so on. Uh, and it says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Verse 3 of Exodus 16. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve us and this entire community to starve us to death. So the Lord responds to that. This is kind of interesting because this was said in the context of people grumbling. They weren't praying in humility and dependence upon God. They were actually looking at God and saying, why did you do this to us? But notice how the Lord responds in his mercy and his grace because he's gracious to us as well. The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. 
See, he didn't say, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven and, and you're, going to, you're going to go gather it up and put it into storehouses and fill your bags and fill your carts and fill, your, fill every, every container you have so that it could just be there. And, and, then, and when you start to run out, then I'll fill it up again. No, he said every day they're going to have to do this. And the instruction was, if you read that chapter carefully, they were to go out in the morning uh, after the dew had settled and they were to pick up this, this what settled on the ground. And they didn't know what to call it. And uh, verse 31 uh, of Exodus 16 says they named it manna, which really me literally means, what is it? Uh, and they were able to grind it up and make cakes out of it and, and eat it and consume it. And, and the Bible tells us that, that it tasted like wafers with honey. It was delicious. You know, it, it, was, it, was, it was satisfying. It was nourishing. And God said that they had to do that every day. The only day that they, they gathered twice as much was uh, before the Sabbath because on the Sabbath day, there wasn't going to be anything. But lo and behold, there were people who gathered too much and if he says you gathered too much, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rot on you. And, and there were those who went out uh, on the Sabbath looking for it and it wasn't there. Boy, we are dense, aren't we? We can't follow the most simple of instructions. But the thing I want you to see here is that God provided them that manna for 40 years in the wilderness and it was on a daily basis. But you see, they had to do something for it. God, God put it out there, but they had to go out and collect it. And whoever collected, you, they collected as much as they needed, as much as they could consume, as much as they could eat. See, God wasn't giving it out like, I'm just going to give you a cracker for the day. You know, I'm not even just going to give you a sleeve of crackers for the day. I'm going to give you all that you need for the day, but it's going to be on a daily basis that you have to trust me and you have to be obedient and you have to act in faith. And see, when we come to God in prayer and we say, give us today our daily bread, we are doing just that. We say, well, why do I need to pray for bread? My refrigerator is overflowing. My pantry stocked. I've got, I've got a bunker full of food. What do I need to ask God for food for? Well, did you know that it's because of him that your pantry is full and your refrigerator is full and your bunker is full? Because if it wasn't for him, you would have nothing. You would have nothing. In fact, Psalm 78 is a commentary on, on this provision of God on a daily basis for his people. And I think it's instructive for us. Notice this, Psalm 78, uh, and look at verse uh, 20. And this gives you a little insight into the, the mindset of the people uh, of this whole manna that God provided. Verse, uh, verse 20 of, of Psalm 78, when he struck the rock, water gushed out, and streams flowed abundantly. See, when, when they were thirsty, God didn't just give them a cup of water. He didn't even just give them a bucket of water. He gave them rivers of water to satisfy their thirst. But notice what it says here in verse 20. But can he also give us food? Can he supply meat for his people? Oh yeah, he gave us a drink, but can he give us a meal? Verse 21 says, When the Lord heard them, he was very angry. And his fire broke out against Jacob, and his wrath arose against Israel. God wasn't pleased with their attitude. For they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. See, God delivered you not to, to, to destroy you in the wilderness, but to bring you out into a place of abundance. 
But you have to trust him for that. His timing is not our timing. But notice this. Notice what it says here. Verse 23. Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna for the people to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Men ate the bread of angels and he sent them all the food they could eat. God set a buffet for them, all you can eat every day, and they did eat angels' food. The original angels' food cake is what God provided. They did eat angels' food. God provided them all that they needed, but they had to be obedient. They had to have faith that God would provide. They had to do it God's way. And the Lord commands you and he commands me and he commands all his believing people that in prayer, one of the things in addition to worshiping God for who he is and wanting his kingdom to come, it is petition that we rely on him and we trust him to meet our daily needs. I won't take the time to, to uh, elaborate on this, but another example of this comes from 1 Kings chapter 17, the entire chapter. Remember that Elijah said that there was going to be a drought that would last all this time. And when that drought happened, God told him to go by the brook Cherith, and he would provide for him, and he drank the water. And twice a day, ravens brought him food, brought him meat. God supernaturally provided for him. And there are times in our lives when there are particular needs that we bring before him that God supernaturally provides them. We don't know where they come from, but they come from the hand of God ultimately. He provides. I remember when I was in high school, my high school music teacher was a, a, a believer. He was also a pastor of a small church. And he, gave, he gave me this example one time of God's provision. He said that when he was uh, a very young man uh, and he had a, a car and was going to work, uh, he didn't have any money. I mean, none, zip, zero, nada. And he had a car and he didn't have enough gas in his car to get to work. He had enough gas to maybe get to the gas station, and that's about it. And he says he remembered saying, Lord, you know, I, I, I need gas for this car. What am I going to do? And he says, he says, as God is my witness, he says, out of nowhere, a $5 bill came flying down and landed at his feet. And he says he looked around thinking, well, did, was somebody walking by? Did some, and he says, he doesn't know where it came from. He does know where it came from. He did know where it came from. It came from God. Can God do that? Can God command a raven to bring you food if necessary? Yes. But notice this, that after the brook dried up, God didn't keep sending those, soup, those ravens. He sent Elijah to a widow who had just enough flour and oil to make one little, little cake, one little, little muffin that she says, I'm going to make this cake and my son and I are going to eat this and then we're going to die because we're going to starve to death. And the prophet Elijah says, you make that cake for me first and God will provide. And so she had to, in faith, do what he says. And so she makes that cake, Elijah eats that, and lo and behold, the little container that she had still had flour in it. There was still oil in the oil container. And every day she'd scoop out enough to have to eat and lo and behold, there was enough there, and it was empty, and lo and behold, the next day it was full. Enough for the day. Enough for the day. Can God do that? Absolutely he can. 
Does he choose to do that all the time where it's supernatural, where we don't know where it's coming from? No, but he provides. And here's where I want you to turn back to Philippians chapter 4 because I want you to see this in Paul's life. God does provide. God will give us our daily bread. But notice what Paul says here in Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 10, just to get some of the context. And this is one of our final passages here this morning. He says, as he's wrapping up this letter, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What's his secret, Paul? What is it? Everybody wants to know the secret. Look at verse 13. I can do everything through him, through Christ who gives me strength. See, Paul was constantly looking to the Lord daily, ongoing, for every need that he had. And notice, God provided for him. But how did he do it? He did it through the hands of the Philippians, through fellow believers. Yet it was good for me, good for, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for the gift, but, I, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. And I have received full payment, and even more, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you have sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now notice this, where we started this morning. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This church came together and supported the Apostle Paul and met the particular needs that he had, his temporal needs. And Paul in turn says, God took note of that and he's going to make sure that he meets all your needs as well. Because this is not just true for me as an apostle, it's true for every believer in Jesus Christ. And God says to you and to me, when we pray, we not only pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but give us today our daily bread. Do you pray, bringing everything before the Lord, trusting him to meet those needs? I encourage you to do that because that was Jesus' teaching and command to each of us. Give us today our daily bread. Shall we pray? Our Father, how we thank you that you care for us, you care for our very souls. 
And we thank you that you have provided for our greatest need in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross for our sins provided a way home for us, a way for us to be forgiven and accepted in your sight. For we recognize, Father, that we are sinful and fallen creatures. But Lord, it is through Christ and through his redemptive work that we who were slaves to sin become sons of the living God. We become part of your family. We are adopted into your family and we become your very own. And, and through that redemptive work, Lord, you provide for us. You provide for all of your creation and all this universe. The birds, the grass, the cattle, everything, Lord, that, 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 that needs sustenance, you provide. Even our very life breath, Lord, is a gift from you. And so, Father, help us as your believing people to be reminded of that fact today. That we would not rest and be comfortable in the abundance that we enjoy. We thank you for that. But that we would continue to look to you for every need that we face in this earthly walk with you. Whatever our temporal needs might be, Father, may we in faith look to you and come to you and ask for your help, your assistance, your aid, and may we find you sufficient. And not just sufficient, but abundant. That is that word that Paul used saying, my God will meet all your needs. It means to supply it to the full. And we would pray, Father, in faith that whatever our need might be, even this day, that you would provide it in Jesus Christ for our good and for the praise of your name. For, Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.